Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When it comes to service, Rush Truck Centers is committed to making you their top priority. Whether you're looking for same-day preventive maintenance, assistance from their dedicated service concierge team, or 24-7 access to your truck repair status, Rush Truck Centers offer customizable maintenance plans that fit your needs. What are you and your truck waiting for? Schedule an appointment with Rush Truck Center Service Department or ask them to dispatch a mobile service unit when and where you need it. Visit RushTruckCenters.com to find your nearest location. You can expect more from Rush Truck Centers. Hey guys, welcome back to Inside the Five. It's Stav. It's Griff. And it's Will. And today we're going to be talking about the NBA playoffs, a little recap of the games that have happened, MLB talk, focusing on the Red Sox, of course, and we're going to talk about some NFL news that happened. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Inside the Five, Game Two of the Boston Celtics versus the Milwaukee Bucks series has officially ended, and we are now tied in this series one to one. The Celtics beat the Bucks one hundred nine eighty six. Jalen Brown, a very impressive first half, didn't do as well in the second half. Stav, was this a perfect game from the Celtics, or are we going to be able to continue this throughout the series? I'm nervous that it's an anomaly. You know, they shot 65% from three in the first half, which we will, I don't want to say we'll see that again. Um, for, I was listening to the radio before, and they brought up an interesting point. Two times in the regular seasons, the Celtics shot more threes than twos, or made more threes than twos, and that's happened in both games against the Bucks. So we've seen both sides of the coin here, where game one, we missed all of them, and then game two, we hit all of them, and then we win. So. I don't know what to really think. Obviously, I'm very happy that we won. We lost home court advantage, however, which really does stink against the Bucks. However, I think we will take that back. We, I think we're going to split again in Milwaukee. But they got to figure out a way to get easy baskets, man. I mean, I, I feel like they're just passing up open shots in the paint with the fear of getting blocked. I mean, Will, I don't know if – you agree with that, but I feel like every single time they're under the hoop, they're just kicking it out for three. No, I totally agree. And I agree with what you said about, um, like, one, we shot really, really well last night. And I don't expect us to shoot like that probably again this series that well. We're going to shoot consistently good, I think, for the rest of the series. I think we found our rhythm. I think we kind of just – we were riding high. We swept the nets, you know, coming in. We had high expectations, and we kind of got humbled for a second. Like, which, I mean, it can happen. We're also playing a good interior defensive team, and we're going to be forced to take those threes. Like, and we see what happens, what we can do when we make our shots. Like, even if we just made a portion of those shots in game one, like, technically, game two is what game one should have been if we were actually just somewhat off. We would have won that game. So, it, it like, obviously, we can't go back and be like, oh, well, it's it should have been 2 nothing now. It's 1-1, and we have two crucial games in Milwaukee that we have to win. I expect us to shoot somewhere in the middle between game one and game two game, and game three and probably for the rest of the series. But, I mean, we need to be able to 
come back, make those threes, and try to get some good drives in the paint and set the tone because that's what's really going to set us up in the future of the series and the future of the playoffs. And we obviously played without Marcus Smart last night, which was Jalen Brown filled in right in the first half. He started off super hot. Grant Williams, I mean, he went off last night too. What, what did he make? Like, how many threes did he make last night? I think he made seven. Right? Yeah, well, I was going to say 21. seven. I, Honestly, it felt something crazy. I didn't. It didn't feel right saying, but like, yeah, like he made seven threes, which is crazy. So I mean, I feel like I feel like last night, which I think I said before, was the momentum game, was the must-win game. I feel like that's off of our shoulders now. We just need to yeah. stay consistent. Right. I mean, it was definitely a must-win game. You don't want to go into Milwaukee down 0-2 because I mean, who knows if we'll be, even be back in the Garden come Game Five if you not only lose home court, but also lose game two at home. At that point, the series is pretty much over. This was a big game because game one, we got blown out. Game two, we came out. We showed that, I mean, we're going to blow them out better than they did in game one. But this isn't something that's going to happen every game this series. I'm expecting this game uh, to go seven. And I think that the two blowouts of this series are over. I think the rest of the way, it's going to be pretty tight, pretty close games. And we saw, I mean, a great performance. We put up 65 points in the first half. Um, and we had a fantastic, I, I think, in my opinion, just watching the game, um, our best quarter by far was the second quarter, which is kind of what we've seen literally not even throughout just the year, but throughout like Jason Tatum's whole career. I feel like like this brand of the Celtics were such a good second quarter team and then first half of the third quarter, and then we seemed to fall apart. Um, but yesterday uh, at the day of this recording, we only put up 18 points in the third quarter. That's a no-no, um, especially if you're going into Milwaukee. We need to be scoring at least 20 points a quarter, and I'd say even more than that. Um, the good thing is we had a big cushion going into the second half. That's something that you really want. And talking about Marcus Smart being out, it's kind of interesting. When you think of Marcus Smart being out, um, we weren't really as concerned, I feel like, as, as a fan base about excuse me, about losing game two. Derek White filled in, scored zero points, but had a plus-minus of plus 22 um, now I don't know Marcus Smart's status for game three. Is there a status? I don't think, I don't yet, think but I so. assume he's going to play. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if, if not, my guess would be that he's going to be back for uh game four. I think Derek white did a pretty good job against drew holiday. Now drew holiday hit a couple of tough shots, but other than that, he, he didn't really have the performance that he did in game one. And as for Giannis, I mean, we talked about grant will on the offensive side, but we all know how great he did on defense. He, he was honestly really the spark plug that he needed, and I'm expecting Grant Williams to be that guy throughout this series. Now, I know it sounds weird, um, but in terms of that, I'm saying he's going to be that guy that's going to do literally all he can on the floor. He's going to give it all he has, and, and he does a great job against Giannis. It went to the point where they were trying to set up screens to switch him off of Grant Williams onto Rob Williams, and then Rob Williams would clamp him too. Um Rob Williams, I'm kind of nervous for because he's just so like jumpy in a sense where like we saw a Pat Connaughton bucket um, where he kind of went over for a reverse. Rob Will went for a block, just completely missed and ran into Peyton Pritchard. And that's where all the injuries come from. So I think we just need to secure down, kind of loosen up and get into the feeling that we're in round two. And then, and then we're going to be right back to the way we're playing basketball. We're not going to be shooting as good as we were in game two, but we're still going to be shooting pretty dang good. Oh, no, I 100% agree. And, you know, I like the fact that you brought up Derek White's performance because he, although he had zero points, 
it didn't feel like he wasn't he was it was a negative contribution because his presence on the court has always felt defensively and he was making a lot of good plays like a lot of things that aren't going to show up in the stat sheet like driving like forcing the defense to collapse and then kicking like although he might not get assists he would get hockey assists where kick it to one guy in the corner and swing back around and the Celtics ball movement last night was awesome and it started mm-hmm. on the first possession of the game where they swung the ball around like everyone touched it like I feel like almost every possession in the first half everybody touched the ball and that's something we didn't really see in game one we saw a lot of iso ball we saw a lot of first half of the year Boston Celtics but then game two in the first half I thought it was the perfect half you know Yana shot one of 10 or two of 10 or something like that and a thing I don't want to say I'm kind of biting my tongue on it, but do we think Marcus Smart coming back will have a negative impact on this team? Because when he's not on the court, we know that it's all going to be Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. They're going to be taking all the shots. But when Marcus Smart's on the court, he's going to have that mentality like, I can shoot too. Like, I I don't hate, obviously, we love Marcus Smart and he's the heart and soul of the Celtics, but he does sometimes take those heat check shots when the other guys are hot just to prove that he's also an NBA player. What do you guys think about that? I want to say, I don't think we should be worried at all. I feel like last night proved how good of a team we really are. In essence, I know we played without um, Rob will in the last series, which like could have been a, could have been a question mark, but we, I mean, you, you never really know when, when we play without Rob Will. Now we do. Um, but Marcus Smart was a big question because he's obviously defensive player of the year. That's our guy. You know, and that's a very key point to our defense. We talked about it a while ago, kind of being like an anchor almost, playing in that middle. But I think it, I think that proves how good we are as as a team. And when he comes back, I feel like we should be even more dangerous after winning game two. Like, game two is a must-win game for us, but now we play on Saturday. Like, that's four or five days away from now. Well, four days now, five days from yesterday, which is very, very, very long time. Like, I don't want to say it's a must-win game for us on Saturday, but I feel like it's 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 a transition point in the series where they're playing so far away from each other. Like, we can't, we can't stop what we're doing now. Like, we caught a little bit of fire. We need to consistently do that because now the Bucks are at home they we can catch them sitting back comfortable first game back at home yeah and i mean you're right saying that uh game three is not a must-win game um but one of those games game three or four one of those are must-win and and game three is the perfect opportunity will because you're right they have three days of full rest like you said uh five days in between or four or five days in between games um and and as for marcus smart it's the fact that if this was two years ago, I'd be terrified because Marcus Smart would oh, be yeah. out here shooting 25, 30 shots a game. Um, Marcus Smart shoots around like 15 to 20 now, and sometimes they're a little iffy. But when it comes down to what he actually provides for us, it, 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 you kind of have to add and subtract the positives and the negatives. The positives is he's the defensive player of the year. And the fact that their second best player right now is Drew Holiday, and that's going to be his assignment. And um, the negatives is that sometimes he just takes those weird threes. Um, But when it comes to the fourth quarter, and we saw it in the Nets series, especially game one, we all said that that was a shot that Marcus Smart most likely would have taken, right? But he didn't. So I, I I have a lot of trust in Marcus Smart right now when it comes to 
actual moments of need that he's going to make the right decision. I think that he's matured a lot as a basketball player, and I think he's found his role very nice, and his role is to be one of the best players on the team, and that doesn't mean scoring 25 points a game. I think he's finally realized that, and I think that's a big positive for us, and that's a big reason why we're such a successful team come start or second half of of this season, and I think that's going to carry on for the next few years. I'm really excited for the way that Marcus Smart has developed, He's kind of been a work in progress, in my opinion, when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. He hits his threes, right? Like, he doesn't – I mean, he's he's not Steph Curry. He's not an excellent shooter. But he can take those threes, and he's good for one, two, three makes a a game. And when it comes to what he brings on the defensive side of the ball, I really don't think he's going to screw us over. I think Derek White is kind of literally the perfect bench uh, guy for him. For when Marcus Smart is out, he fills right in. And then when Marcus Smart is back, it's like nothing really even happened. And I think the chemistry of this team is going to show as well. Yeah, and I mean, I think the Celtics and the Bucks series, originally we all said 5-6, whatever. We were riding on our highest of highs. (laughs) I think this has the perfect formula to be a great seven-game series. Like, I think they're just going to go back and forth each game kind of and then it, it it's just like these are two great teams and I think that the winner of this series will go to the finals and Agreed. another series I think is just like awesome and then the other two are not really good yeah. at all but um the Grizzlies and the Warriors each game has been awesome you know I mean the Celtics and the Bucks they both kind of been blowouts but they've been pretty good games entertaining but the Grizzlies and the Warriors are neck and neck down to the wire each game so far. I mean, in Memphis, the series is tied up one-to-one. John Morant had a signature game, scoring 47 points last night, and he scored their last 15 down the stretch. Um, what do we uh, what do we think about the Grizzlies and the Warriors? Because a lot of people kind of wrote the Grizzlies off, but Jaws kind of showing like, hey, we're here and we're gonna like we're gonna compete regardless of who we're, who our uh, opponent is. Yeah, so um, when it comes to the Grizzlies, they're a team that likes to go on runs, whether that be when Jaws on the court or off the court. When he's on the court, he's the one that does the run, right? And we saw that, like you said, he scored the last 15 points. And then remember in the Timberwolves series, he scored the last 13 points in a big closeout game as well. Um, but the thing that scares me about this series for Memphis is the fact that they played – almost a perfect game um and they're lucky that they hurt gary payton jr and i know that sounds messed up but i'm not very happy with the way that gary payton jr went out gary payton jr was ready to clamp john morant this whole series and i think they knew it and i honestly think it was kind of intentional the way that that the way that i watched it at least And, and that's just what happens some people i mean do that and it's not the greatest thing um and um Coach Kerr also commented on it. He said, whether it's intentional or not, in in, in the heat of uh, a playoff game, like, that's just completely – and I think – I mean, he's just started going off once Gary Payton Jr. wasn't on him because that – he is, I mean, one of the best young defenders in the league. Um, but Memphis played nearly a perfect game, right? And, and that's, that's the only reason, in my opinion, they won. I think that – Throw the numbers out of there. Throw the standings out of there. Golden State's a better team than them. Golden State is hotter than them. And Golden State has better, uh, not only chemistry, but experience as well. So I think that 
if, if John wants to go out there and drop 50 uh, in Chase, is it Chase Center now or is it still the Oracle? What's it it's called Chase. now in San Fran? Uh, yeah, if he wants to go drop 50 in Chase, I still think they'd lose. I, I, I don't see them winning a game in San Fran, and I think Golden State's going to win this one in six. I, I really think that Golden State just has everything that they need, and Memphis doesn't really match up as well um, that you actually think they do because Jaw's not going to be able to do this night in and night out. Agreed. And it's this series, I, I, I don't know if everyone's kind of been watching, but this is a very yeah. physical series. Like Draymond Green got punched in the eye yesterday, and he, he's a very emotional guy, or punched, poked, whatever. Everyone was getting their eyes poked, first off. Second of all, um, he, he's obviously like a very emotional player. He's walking off the court, flipping everybody off, and I feel like that's not covered at all compared to when Kyrie did it. Yeah. But um, they're just beating each other up. And if I'm Phoenix or Dallas, I'm, like, just <laughs> licking my chops. Like, these guys are going to be dead by the time that we face them in the next round. Right. I feel yeah. like if Memphis finds their way out of this – they're screwed, but I think Golden State's set up that they want to play physical, and they're just going to keep playing physical. Like I said, they have a lot of experience. They know what it's like to play four physical series in an offseason. They've done it multiple times. Like When you think of the greatest series in the past 10 years, I think almost all of them, in my opinion, have the Warriors in them, and it's due to the fact that it's Physical in my favorite, favorite, favorite Warrior series are the ones that are physical because you just see uh, Steph Curry just like kind of slithering around this physicality and his finesse in that game. That's where he takes over. He's going to take over mm-hmm. in Golden State and it's it's going to be one of the most impressive performances. I'm going to call it out right now. It's going to be such a physical game and, and it's kind of like. When there's a battle in the trenches in a football game, and then there's just this one running back that just doesn't get touched. Like, it's going to be exactly like that. Like, everybody, it's a dogfight, but one person is just going to carry everything um, over the hill. And I think Steph Curry is going to do exactly that. I don't think there's anybody on this Grizzlies team that can actually match up toe-to-toe against Steph. And I know John Morant's there, but he's young. And he kind of reminds me of a of a young John Wall. Maybe a little bit better, but, of course, John Wall dealt with injuries. and. I just think that Steph literally is just going to take over, and I love him in these physical series because he, he just, it's just art when you watch him like that, the way that he escapes that pressure. I was honestly thinking the same thing. I was getting ready to say that I'm expecting Steph to come out and we're going to see classic Steph back in action in this series, especially after Gary Payne getting injured. And I want to come out and say I feel like he should be suspended for almost the entirety of the series. Like I really think they should – get him out because I'm sorry as any basketball anyone who's ever played basketball like that that foul is just completely unacceptable you don't do that when someone's in the air it's just as simple as that doesn't matter how fast the game is going you you should know a little bit better to not do something like that because you know as soon as you touch someone in the air like that something they're gonna get hurt very badly like there's not many occasions where someone doesn't come out very injured um but no this is this is a classic physical warrior series which is which is going to make this series very, very interesting. And I'm, and like you said, Drew, if I'm ready for Steph to take over, I'm ready to see some old or old or old Warriors action back in this series. And I feel like we're going to see a lot of surprises. Yeah, I hate. Well, I'm really glad that you said the or you brought up um, the mid air fouls. That should just be an immediate suspension. 
Like immediately, I hate, there should be no question about that. I hate because I like obviously everyone loves physical basketball. Everyone says like let the boys play. If you take someone out in midair, you know damn well what you're doing. Like exactly. I, the, one of the first things that I think of is like Clemson versus Duke. I think this year or last year when a Duke player got a steal on a fast break, went up for a dunk, and the guy from Clemson took out his legs and he lands on his neck. And we actually saw basically the same thing a little less of an extent with Maxi Kleber in the Suns and the Mavs game towards the end, he took a, a terrible fall that could have led to paralysis. Somehow he got right back up on his feet, but the slightest of touches Folded. when you're, yeah, the slightest of touches when you're in midair, it is going to throw you off your balance because you have no control of your, you have no balance when you're jumping. So it should be an immediate flip. If what uh, it was Dylan Brooks, right? Who? Yeah. Yeah. That's an immediate flagrant two and a suspension for the next game. In my opinion, that's what it should be. But then Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun. So winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. JaVale McGee kind of nudges uh, Maxi Kleber in midair. That should be a flagrant too. Like, I don't care how slightly you touch him. If you touch somebody in midair and you aren't going for the ball and you're just going to touch him because he's in the air, you should be thrown out of the game. Like, what what basketball play are you doing there when you're nudging someone when they're dunking? I wanted okay. to say you never see a midair foul that's – most likely unintentional. It's so rare. Like the only time where you see a midair foul that's intentional is both players going straight up. Like there's like if you're chasing someone down and you take them out, or if they're they blow by and you take them out midair, you're not making a basketball play. You're making up for your loss. Like you're you're not you're not doing anything there to really help your team. You're just like, okay, well, screw it. They, he burnt me. Let me go out here and try to save the day here. But you're not going to save the day. That's a flagrant two every single day. Like, you can't do that. And that's a perfect explanation of exactly what happened between Dylan Brooks and Gary Payton Jr. Gary Payton Jr. Uh, beat him to the hole, um, and he was going up for a dunk. And, and it's especially when it's a dunk because, like, you have so much momentum going towards the basket. You jump a little higher. And, and if you get touched, like you said, Stav, at all, your your balance gets thrown off. And when your balance gets thrown off in midair, there's literally, like, I feel like it slows down. It's happened to me once before. I literally remember um, in a basketball game, I went up for a layup and I was in the air. I don't jump as high as Gary Payton Jr., obviously. But, like, I went up in midair and I got, like, straight up shoved and the kid got kicked out of the game. And um, when I was in the middle, when I was in the middle of the air, like everything just slowed down. I was yeah. like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like I didn't make the shot, by the way, because I was terrified. And then I fell. Luckily, I fell on my bottom, um, which I am a bigger guy, a lot of meat there. So I was completely fine. I, I got away safe with that. But like when you, it's 
one of the most terrifying things like in life like because everything slows down you have no control over anything and it's like what's gonna happen and i just really i'm kind of upset like with dylan brooks because you got beat like if you get beat you just got to make up for it on the next one you you can't retaliate instantly in a physical in a illegal way because not only are you like screwing over your team because that's a flagrant that's another shot in the Warriors get the ball back it could have been a five-point play right maybe a six-point play if they shoot a three so it's not only that but now you might get suspended which I think he should be suspended for the series I think you should get a hefty fine and I mean come on there's another guy um, who's playing in the NBA as well, who's, I mean, Gary Payton Jr., who kind of made for a name for himself this year. Like, this is another guy that's in kind of the, not really exactly the same position, but he's an NBA player just like you. Now, I know, like, people like to say, like, I miss when the NBA was physical, but when it gets to the point where it's so intentional and you're putting another man's health at risk and almost life at risk when you're in the air, it's just, it's extremely upsetting to watch, and I really think that serious precautions should be taken against Dylan Brooks. Now, I love Dylan Brooks as a basketball player, but after that, it's it's very hard to like someone once they do that. And if you do it on national television, you're, you're really not trying to help out your team. You're, you're trying to help out yourself. Like, you're trying to make it up to yourself because you got beat. Like, it's it's as simple as that. That, that. that had nothing to do with trying to stop the play. That had everything to do with trying to be more of a man than, than Gary Payton Jr. is. It, it, it's just a stupid act. Yeah, it's it sucks because like you that's just unacceptable. It's like it's that's I if I want to compare it, it's like kind of throwing purposely at your opponent's head in baseball. It's like trying to take out the knees of a quarterback after they've thrown the ball. It's just like a dirty play. There's no reason for it at all. And on a on a brighter note, let's just talk about the absolute dumpster fire of a series between the the Heat and the Sixers because all right, the, the Heat are probably going to sweep them if Joel Embiid can't come back because mm-hmm. DeAndre Jordan is just awful, and Doc Rivers loves to play him. It, it doesn't make sense, right? Like, it's because Doc was the coach of the Clippers when DeAndre Jordan was quote-unquote good, which, in my opinion, I don't think he was ever actually that good when you have Chris Paul on your team and you're a center. Like, you're going to be good, obviously. Like, JaVale McGee is awesome for the Suns when he comes in. Um, because Chris Paul is out there. Like DeAndre Jordan, I I loved the Lob City Clippers. Um, he's not good, right? He's seven foot one. He's a bit athletic, but like you saw him in this in game one and game two is tonight, the night of the recording, which is uh Wednesday. And I, I I'm not expecting much from him either this game. I think this is gonna be a sweep. Um, I think Bam out of bio is gonna go to work on him. And I think even if Joel co- comes back, he's not gonna be a hundred percent. I got this as a sweep no matter what, and Miami's kind of getting an easy road um, to the conference championship, and, and I think it's going to end right there. I think even though like they aren't going to be as fatigued as Boston or Milwaukee after this series, Boston and Milwaukee are just a beast that the Heat have not seen yet because they've had such an easy road. And in and, and this, this uh, series, I watched game one the first half, and honestly, I turned it off. Like, I honestly hated this series, and I still hate this series, and I'm going to continue to hate this series. And I don't like when they do a whiteout in Miami because everybody wears, like, the button-downs, and they look like they're, like, going to, like, a yacht party after. I just – I'm not a big <laughs> fan of this series, Will. I, I, I'm not either. And honestly, at the end of the day, you have to take a look 
and honestly, no offense to him, he brought a championship to our organization. But Doc Rivers is their head coach, and that is a big, big problem in this series. I don't expect them to win a game. I honestly, like you said, Griff, I'm expecting a sweep, which honestly – we we see we don't I don't know how often we see it, but in my opinion, I feel like we see this kind of often. Team gets an easy road right into the right to the Eastern Conference Finals or Western Conference Finals. I don't know if it happens too much in the Western Conference Finals, but I want to say in the Eastern Conference Finals, we see they get an easy road, and then we, we look and see at the Eastern Conference Finals, it's an absolute dogfight. And usually, the team that has the easy road is really not in it to win it at that point they they think they got it easy because they have so many days of rest they have this but really i'm expecting miami to win this year so i'm just going to go out and say miami wins and whoever they play out of the celtics or the bucks they're in for something that they're they have not yet ready to see like they're they're getting themselves into something they're not going to be able to win at all so it's a hundred percent and the path to the finals hypothetically so far for the heat the hawks who in my opinion, are a terrible basketball team. Like, we, we've said this all throughout the first round as well, that they just can't – they're like a glorified AAU team. They don't play defense. They just huck terrible shots. They actually beat the Heat in one of the games, which, if I'm a Heat fan, I'm embarrassed that that happened because the Heat are a much better team. And then the 76ers without Joel Embiid and with James Harden, who just hates playing basketball, Tyrese Maxey, who hates James Harden, and Doc Rivers, who loves DeAndre Jordan, who – DeAndre Jordan sucks at basketball. So there's nothing going well. And then Tobias Harris exists too, but you'll never hear his name. He doesn't though. Yeah, he, he exists. but he Never hear his name in the playoffs. Never like, hear his name in the and playoffs. And then if your sixth man is George Niang, like, I, I don't know. It's just the Sixers. <laughs> the, I love how the Sixers fans, like, thought they were going to go to the finals with absolutely no depth whatsoever because they got rid of Seth Curry, who was probably their second best player during, like, the Embiid like dominant run in the first half of the year and they got rid of um who else did they get rid of andre drummond who's a great backup center like was a starter for the nets and that's someone you want on your team in my opinion like especially in the playoffs like you have to think about your team as a whole like he's a he's an excellent rebounder like yeah like he's he's pretty good against the season that round one I yeah. know, and then like there was no, there's so many, there's been so many highlights of him playing well for the Nets and like actually doing well. So like I don't know why you would even I don't know honestly the, it's so questionable out in Philly right now. I don't really get what's going on there. That series is an absolute mess. There's no way James Harden returns next year, like which is wild to think about though. Like on a completely different like topic, it's just like three years exactly. Like he's been on so many different teams and like. I like. I don't even know where like, he doesn't honestly fit anywhere. Like he, he doesn't. Back when back when we were looking at different things, and I remember saying like, "Oh, that like before he went to the Nets, I was like, damn, maybe he'd be good like for the Celts if we needed a piece." You know what I mean? Like 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 just fitting him into the lineup because at that point we were a little bit desperate. I'm not gonna lie. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. we we need to think about different moves and different opportunities. And like at that point, I was like, we, I don't even see him fitting on this team. I don't really see him fitting anywhere. I mean. It's really questionable. Where he's wherever, wherever James Harden ends up going, I mean, Philly could offer him a max contract in which he really doesn't deserve. But if I'm James Harden, I would take that right away. If someone offers me a long-term max deal, like, give me that money. Because he's probably not going to get that anywhere else unless it's a desperate market team. Like, he, I don't know what his philosophy is necessarily if he's chasing a bag or chasing a ring. Because... He, I don't know if he's chasing a ring because he leaves Brooklyn 
left Brooks. I mean, that trade, I think I said this when it first happened. That's going to be the first lose-lose trade in the NBA where both teams lose. Because, both, yeah. I mean, like, look I at the one. Nets. Like, Ben Simmons didn't play. They got worse because they couldn't score other than Kyrie and KD. And then the Sixers, Harden just hates basketball, and you lose your backup center who Joel Embiid said he loved to play with. Joel Embiid was on the J.J. Redick podcast, I think a few weeks ago, and they were talking about Andre Drummond, how, like, because Embiid and uh, Drummond had beef, like, wait, right when Embiid started emerging onto the scene. And then Embiid's like, Andre Drummond being on my team allows me to, like, take a 10-minute break and be confident. All right, this guy's going to get the rebounds. This guy can get his points in the paint. Like, I trust that we're not going to go by, down by 15, 10, 15 points when I get out because Andre Drummond's there to kind of step in and play a little short spurt while I recover. Now they don't have that. And now Joel Embiid's like, what the hell? So it's trouble in paradise in Philly. And if they somehow, if Joel Embiid can fix his face and reconstruct his brain so he doesn't have a concussion and he comes back and scores 60 points a game and they beat the Heat, then that's the only way that Embiid is his future. He can't shoot with his hand. Yeah, he can't even shoot with his hand. So he has to rewire his thumb, fix his brain, and fix his face. So if I'm Embiid, I think his contract expires in two years. I'm, I don't want to come back to Philly. Philly's done absolutely nothing for me. Nothing. I can to guarantee me. you he should demand a trade if, if they get swept this year. And then Harden's gone, and Tyrese Max is the only good player on that team right now. So trouble in paradise for the Sixers. And then, I, I don't know. I really don't have anything else to say. I mean, the Heat, yeah, they're a pretty good team, I guess. Like, they, they just I mean, like, you know what you're going to be getting from the Miami Heat at all times. Like, they are a team that, like, just runs you to death. And Tyler Hero gets some big buckets. Um, But but just – Six nine of the year, up, actually. Just, yeah, just that just got released yesterday. Just wrapping up my finishing comments on the 76ers. Um, We've talked about this many times with many different people in a name that I remember um, very well. Two of them actually is Russell Westbrook and Ben Simmons. We always talk about the Sacramento Kings, right? Because it's like a low market team where they can just go and get uh, points and just do whatever they want. And and they're not actually going to win. That's where James Harden should go. He should go to a team that literally doesn't matter, right? Because James Harden's not a winner. He's a scorer. And and he's one of the best scorers that like we've ever seen. His step back is crazy. He's a lefty shooter. Uh, Like he's awesome to watch in the regular season, but he's not a postseason NBA player. There is definitely a difference between a postseason and a regular season NBA player. The postseason players are the ones that get get the job done. And the regular seasons are the one that are like fun to watch, right? Like it's interesting. You like to watch them here and there. It's like Russell Westbrook, his explosiveness and all of that. James Harden's the, the direct definition of that. So whenever he goes to a contending team, in my opinion, I've noticed this throughout the years. He, he's made them worse. The only team that he's really helped out is that Thunder team. And the reason he did that is because he was a six man. He wasn't even at this point of superstardom that he's at now. And sometimes it gets to people's heads. And, and I'm not I'm not a person to really talk about people's heads and, and their egos. But James Harden has one of the biggest egos in the NBA. And, and we see it, people with egos when you're playing a team sport. I mean, I don't even think I need to finish that sentence. It just makes too much sense. Right. Like. If you have an ego and there's four other people on the team, you're, you're not going to be successful. And, and, and James Harden is a direct definition of that. The Joel Embiid has about 15 different injuries right now. Um, not my MVP. That's the reason why he didn't win it. 
Maxie's the best player on that team when it comes to reliability. You know what you're going to get from him, and that's 110%. Tyrese Maxie's a guy that I can see starting on any team, and I hate Philadelphia. And I actually laughed when you said it's uh, trouble in paradise stuff. Philadelphia is anything but a paradise. Um, and, and I think that Tyrese Maxie is the one Philadelphia 76er um, in the past 10 years that I have actually enjoyed watching and I actually enjoy as a person. He's just a guy that, like, he's a winner, right? And he just wants to win. And that's what he wants, he wants to, to win. Exactly. And, and, and not to say that Joel Embiid doesn't, because jo- Joel Embiid, oh, as much as we hate him, and, and as much as he shoots his free throws, he does want to win, right? But when, when you join throws. someone um, alongside James Harden, you see Tyrese Maxey, who about keeping it inside he doesn't like him he doesn't like james harden and you know what i bet um i bet joel Embiid right now doesn't like him that much either and he said it last last series he wants uh james harden to be more aggressive james harden doesn't want to be more aggressive because he wants to play for five ten more years so he can get his bag and he can score more points he's not a winner that's all i have to say i'm getting upset well honestly the last thing i want to say james harden is 32 years old i want to say i feel like if anything, he has already surpassed that playoff mindset player yes. because of the experience, I want to say. The experience is what's really setting him back because Steph is 34 years old, only two years different. Steph has rings, one. Steph is also nowhere near the likes of James Harden. But in terms of age and someone who's about to get it done, as we're saying in this series against Memphis, which is an absolute dogfight, like, Steph is still consistently playing well, and James Harden is two years young. And James Harden has won an MVP, and he's and he's been known to drop numerous amounts of points throughout a season. I remember that crazy run that he had where he was dropping over 35 points a game. That was also, I believe his MVP year, but, but then he steadily fell off after those, after those times. I'm, I don't really want to give too much benefit of the doubt here, but if anything, he's either doing this so he can just get moved again, or he genuinely fell off and had, it is having a problem with his game or because of his age, the way his play style is, it's really not translating into today's NBA anymore. That whole ISO ball we've seen doesn't really, really work. We see Trey Young kind of doing the same thing, and we saw where they are. They're back at home, just like the 76ers will be by the end of this week. And it's kind of piggybacking off of what everyone's been saying. Where does James Harden even fit right now? Like, Nowhere. I'm trying to think of random teams that would – be like James Harden is our missing piece because what does he like? This is kind of like set going off of what we were saying before about like weighing out the pros and cons of guys who are hurt, like Marcus Smart. The pros outweigh the cons, but when you bring in a guy like James Harden, there are so many cons, but yet there are a lot of pros too. Where if he's gonna play that level that we saw four years ago, which was the last time that he actually helped his team. Like when they went to the conference finals and lost to the Warriors after they missed 55 threes in game seven, that was their last chance. That was, that was the last chance. James Arguably Harden one of the had. worst games I think 100%. I've ever watched. Yeah. That game was mm-hmm. awful. And it, it's just like, what is there? Is there a team that could you, I mean, the only team that I think of is the New York Knicks who would sign James Harden to a max deal, but like, that's not going to help them. It's only going to put people in the stands. Honestly, I, I feel think, like he would be better off in a low market city where he can thrive. Remember when he arose, like he, was in Houston. Scene, he was in Oklahoma and like mm-hmm. he, was, he was in Houston. Awesome. I feel like I feel like he could genuinely help a team that's 
one young looking for a vet who can score. And if he just recognizes that role, I feel like there he will actually be very successful again and will actually be talking good things about James Harden once again. I feel like if he can find a team, I can't think of one on the top of my head. I would need a few minutes to really take a look at rosters here. But like if we look at a team that's young, really missing a veteran, and then need someone to give them buckets consistently and don't really they like he he can't be the star player that all the expectations are on, even though he is James Harden. He needs to lay off of that stardom for like a year before he can really transition into his role. No, like I'm actually looking at like teams right now, and I've been looking since Stav brought it up, and I literally cannot tell you a single team in the Eastern or the Western Conference where he could fit in and make a good impact, not only for himself like and not only for the team, but when you think of younger players, Will, do you really want James Harden shooting 30 to 40 shots a game when he's at 32 years old and you have a young roster behind him? Because I don't. I'd rather have my guys progress. Like maybe somewhere like Washington where Brad Beal's already there. That's already a dumpster fire. Maybe well, they that can would be, be an eight seed. That would be a nightmare with James that would, Harden. That, and, that would be a nightmare. Beal. Both of them trying to drop 50 points a game for yeah. no reason. I mean, but like that's what they I, did I with saying... Russ and James Harden and then CP3 and James <laughs> Harden. Like it just never worked. It's never going to work. Yeah. And it, I would love to see him go to the Lakers because his career is ready to, to die and he's going to pull a Russell Westbrook and he can just go to LA and not win a ring. And like if he goes to LA, hypothetical situation, if he goes to the Lakers next year, He's going to be a bad basketball player. It's going to be the same exact thing with what happened to Russell Westbrook. I think those guys are super comparable when it comes to that. Like he he's going to if he goes to another contender, then we're going to be like, wow, James Harden actually isn't good at basketball. Well, uh, realistically here, what I, what I said and what we're thinking of him going to a, a small market team is most definitely not going to happen. He's going to go to a contender. He's most likely going to go to someone who is probably either in the Eastern or Western Conference Finals, who takes a serious hit after free agency, and they're like, oh, well, we need to compete. James Harden is... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com looking to get traded you know he's going to go to a team that's losing a lot of people in free agency the following year and they're going to make trades and they're going to make moves and we're going to see something stupid happen and we're going to see a team that was probably decent fall off or either succeed in a very weird manner very true that's very true um James Harden is a guy that we look at, and I don't think he's good for the locker room. I don't think he's good for a team. He, he's really just good for himself. Um, but moving on, speaking of a team that plays basketball is the Phoenix Suns, uh, who kind of brought back the trend of playing as a team, and it's kind of hooked on. They're playing against the Dallas Mavericks in a series. 
Um, the funny thing about this is, you know how it's like we have four series right now. It's the conference semifinals. Um, in my opinion, the Suns and the Miami series, I, I'm not really as interested in, in those series as I am on the Celtics and the Warriors series. So I'm kind of upset that the Celtics and the Warriors both play on the same day. I just wish we could spread it out and actually watch entertaining basketball on both days. The most entertaining thing, and this is going to sound messed up, is Maxi Kleber's fall. This is the only thing I've actually seen on like social media um, when it comes to this series. And Luka Doncic is a guy that I always think about. And it's a bad thing when you think about him because when you think about him, it's like, what is he doing? Because you see that he drops like 30 points, but it's like, why don't I see any of this, right? And the Mavericks are a definition of that. And Mark Cuban built a team around him that I will never understand, like, where they actually thought this was going, where Jalen Brunson is, like, low-key their best player. And I love Jalen Brunson from Villanova. He had a great run there. And he's, like, a cool player to watch. But when it comes to this Mavericks team, and I'm guessing this series is going to be a sweep, Stav. Um, when it comes to this Mavericks team, what is a piece that you actually think that they could realistically make come this offseason to, to be a contender? Because at this point, Luke is still young in his career, and it's like they really haven't done much to help him. Um, I love Jalen Brunson, but I just don't think that he's the right player to surround with Luka. So Luka's your point guard. He's your playmaker. You need to put three and D guys around, and you need one more playmaker – if I'm Luka Doncic, I know it's not really possible, but, like, Nikola Jokic needs to be on my team, or I need to be on Nikola Jokic's team. Because, oh, yeah, like the European comparison. But those are two guys who are excellent excellent playmakers and can make everyone around them better. And Maxi Kleber is actually a pretty good player. Like, I think he's a good four. He's a good shooter, and he good can shooter. defend. He's, a, he's a, like, I mean, he had a horrific fall that we were talking about. The other, but he he's a tough guy. Like that's a guy who I want on my team. Um, Dimwitty's all right, but this this team is very guard heavy when they need more bigs because DeAndre Ayton's kind of getting whatever he wants. So like the Kristaps trade is making less and less sense as the season progresses. But Kristaps isn't really that guy anymore. So it's like, what are they gonna do? I don't know, but um, it's just. Give Luca whatever pieces he needs. And Mark Cuban can afford it. So I don't want to hear any salary cap BS. Honestly, it, this might be a little bit off the scale here. But um, like Stoff said, I do agree that they're a little guard heavy. But why not cash in with what they're doing right now with the players that they have and upgrade a little bit? And I feel like I know we talked a little down on him after their series and a big breakup's about to happen in Utah. Why not acquire Donovan Mitchell in a trade? Why not pair them up together? I feel like that would be a really, really good duo. And then go budget for forwards and big men and kind of make moves around that. Because if you're like hypothetically, like like Griff said, I feel like this series is kind of over. I don't feel like the Mavericks are going to win this series. So th they have they have the pieces that took them this far. If they just kind of cash in a couple pieces of what they have and upgrade a little bit, I feel like they can be the team like the Suns this year. Yeah, so I feel like Donovan and, Mitchell could be a solid guard to have paired up with Luca. Yeah, and, that, and that's a good name to throw out there because you're right. Well, there, there's going to be changes made in the Utah Jazz organization, whether that be um, Donovan Mitchell, whether that be Rudy Gobert. And I, I think of Rudy Gobert, I don't think I'd want him 
um, in Dallas. And I like the idea of Donovan Mitchell because what I was thinking is you need to pair Luca up with athletes because, yes, he's, like, athletic, you could say Luca, but he's one of the most, like, unathletic, people say, um, superstars in this league. Like, when you see guys like John Morant, you know, and Donovan Mitchell jumping out of the gym, that's not at all what Luca does. And um, if you just paired him up, imagine, with, like, four just extreme athletes around him, that would give him so much freedom to kind of calm down on what he's not good at and kind of take a less focus off of making up for what he's not good at because everyone else else around him is good. I, I think they need a good defensive guard. I don't think they really have that. And you can say Spencer Dinwiddie, but I just don't think he's as good as he was when he was on that Nets team that was young with D'Lo. He was so good on defense. I don't see that now. I really don't. And I think when it comes to those uh, bigs, um, I like every big on that team. I just don't like them actually on that team. Like they don't have like a solid seven footer and, and the Celtics don't either, but we have Rob Will who might as well be seven foot and, and athleticism makes up for that. Yes. And they, they don't really have anybody. Like when I think of their starting center, I think it's Dwight Powell. Dwight Powell's not going to do anything against Deandre and literally nothing. Um, and, and I noticed that I went to a game this year and it was Mavs Celtics and our centers were literally just outbodying them. If you outbody a Celtic center who's six nine, what are you going to do against someone like DeAndre Ayton who's up for a max contract? And Rob Will wasn't even playing that game. I'm literally talking about Al Horford who just outbodied him. And Al Horford wants it more, but like at the end of the day, Al Horford's six nine. Like he, he he's not that big. They need some height and they need some athleticism to surround him, and they need some shooting. And that's honestly not like big asks, in my opinion. Everybody can shoot. Um, a lot of people are athletic, and, and you can find a seven footer out there somewhere. And I don't think Rudy Gobert is the guy because that would just slow down that game a lot. And I don't like the the thoughts of a pick and roll between Luka Doncic and Rudy Gobert. Man, I think Rudy Gobert should go somewhere where James Harden is just so we can just like watch them burn together and just like completely waste away their careers. Rudy Gobert is not a championship center. He's like, this isn't, I think he'd be great in like the mid seventies, not even the eighties or the nineties. Rudy Gobert is one of my least favorite players in the league also. Um, So like when it comes to that jazz breakup too, like, Donovan Mitchell is the piece that the Mav or that the Mavs would really capitalize on. Um, and there's a couple other guys if they really want to blow up that Jazz organization, just ship them over to Dallas. And I like the thought stuff um, when you brought up Jokic. Not Jokic coming to the Mavs. I would love to see Luca on that Nuggets team with Jamal Murray fully healthy and the bench that they have and Will Barton. I think that he would actually fit in very well over there. And I think that. The coaching that they have over there is a lot better. Who's the Mavs coach right now? Is it Jason Kidd? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think who's the 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 Nuggets coach is Mike Malone, right? Yes. I mean, yes. I I think Jason Kidd's a pretty good coach. I think he's done a good job with this team this year. But obviously, Mike Malone's done wonders yeah. with that Nuggets team. So it's I mean, we could get into offseason talk and talk about this for hours, and but. Hours. Will introduce us to the Sox because the season started over. We're one and zero. So season started last night. Want to start us off that way? Um, I feel like we like reverse spoke this game into existence on the last episode. We completely just demolished our <laughs> favorite team. Just we went in for a long time, and we were just so upset. We were fed up, which rightfully so. I feel like rightfully so, and that's why I'm continuing what the Angels had here. I'm hoping. 
like negative energy will bring positive energy, which doesn't make any sense. But like it's on the YouTube so you can see we're wearing an angel's hat. Yeah, like I want the Sox to win. Don't get me wrong here, but I feel like you know, light a fire under their ass for once because they're not not playing with any emotion. And we we started off the Suns with a team that's playing like a team. We played like a team last night. We 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 genuinely played like a team last night. Now tonight, actually, no, we'll we'll talk a little bit about last night. We won four nothing. We won four nothing. Uh, Salamore ended the game. He struck out Otani, which is actually you know I uh, me and Griffer talking about this he he won me a little bit back after striking out otani that was can you say what i said to you because i don't want to say it if you remember griff, griff still is not back on on hirokazu at all he's not ready he to was my favorite back. player he's not he anymore. was he was i'm not saying he's fully back but you know he earned about a quarter of it maybe close to half nothing. back nothing that was an important strikeout. We we needed that. That was a good momentum. You know, we we saw all the fans excited. That like we we actually saw something good. Like we had a great game last night. JD hit a home run. Rafi hit a no doubter, which was actually a home run in every ballpark in the MLB ever. So we're we're looking great. How about Michael Walker? I mean, Michael Walker is. Like I feel like every single time this guy pitches, we say the same thing. This is the guy who was projected to be our fifth starter and to be in the bullpen when Chris Sale comes back. This guy's our second-best pitcher right now. Yeah. And he's been playing lights out, giving the Red Sox quality starts. Not Maybe not like the stat quality start, but like he's been giving them very good starts every single time. And what is this, his fourth start? And yeah, he's been nothing but pleasure to watch. I mean... Last night, we saw what we addressed on uh, Tuesday's episode of there's no power in the lineup in which we hit two home runs. Finally, uh, Trevor Story got an RBI, and Franchi, Franchi Cordero went two for three. Big. And, and Bobby Dalbeck came in in the ninth to play defense, which was like, I... That's probably, we, I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing there. I think we're just getting them out there just to be like, we're not giving up on you fully yet because if you see your competition go two for three, I'd be nervous. I'm low-key hoping this, like, lights a spark under, um, under yeah, Bobby Dalbeck's like, it, but it, it probably won't. won't. It, like, it, it's so frustrating, and I wanted to talk about our starting lineup tonight because i feel like it's a little bit interesting we're i don't know too many changes from where it was last night but uh trevor stories lead off then we got rafi xander jd kike verdugo vasquez bobby dalbeck arroyo and garrett whitlock is our starting pitcher tonight against right. the angels so i i i think i've said it on every single episode i love trevor story leading off um, I would like to see Xander be our two hole. That's something I haven't said on this yet. I just, I don't know. I, I'd rather have Rafi have an opportunity of two men on base and three, but the whole analytical play that we talked about on the last episode, if you haven't checked that out, uh, go, go listen to that. The whole analytical play says put Rafi at second. So cool. JD Martinez is a guy that I absolutely ripped last episode. Um, and, and Glad and he's for a good reason, and that's why you hit a home run, and he's a guy that's going to go on, like, these runs where he starts hitting, and I hope he's here to stay. I hope he, he stays healthy throughout this. Kike, still mad at Verdugo. Um, Verdugo, I'm expecting a big week from him. Like, I, I'm expecting this the end of this series on to the next series where we, I believe we play the White Sox. Mm-hmm. I don't have it in front of me. 
Um, I'm expecting him to do pretty good against these two teams. And if he doesn't, I'm going to be kind of upset because he started off pretty hot. Sivak, you know what you're going to get from him. Bobby Dalbeck stinks, and I love Christian Arroyo. I absolutely love Christian Arroyo. I don't mm-hmm. know why. He's not batting awesome. But Christian Arroyo is a guy that, like, when it comes to, like, hitting, I just like him in the batter, batter's box. Like, he hits singles. He hits doubles. Sometimes he he hits it out of the park, but not, not often. Um, But he's a guy that I like to see on base. I just feel like when I'm watching Christian Arroyo, he's giving it all he has, and that's really all you can ask about. Um. Last night, though, Tuesday night, JBJ went two for three as well. Like, he had a pretty good game, um, and that's something you need to see from the bottom of our lineup. We know it wasn't good. We knew at the beginning of the season that our bottom of the lineup wasn't going to be great, and we knew that they needed to step up. But to start the season, guys, no one has been great. This has been, I want to say, I want to say that Angels game was probably the, our best game of the season so far. I don't, I don't know if yep. you guys are going to agree with me or not, but all around putting up four runs and, and shutting out the Angels who are hot right now, they were 15-9 and nine going into that game, shutting them out and um, going up against Syndergaard, who's a $20 million pitcher a year. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very happy with that performance, and, and I'm going to be right in front of my laptop screen watching the game tonight as well, and I hope that um, – Whitlock can, can, can secure a W and I want to see Whitlock as our start in our starting rotation. And I want to see him really go deep into games like five, six, seven innings because he was a starter um, when he was coming up in the Yankees farm system, moved him to the bullpen. So he got called up to the league. Now's his time. And I want to see him capitalize on that opportunity. Um, the, other, the other thing I wanted to note too um, is our next series against the White Sox, which is a team very much like us right now, where they're not they're they're expected to be better than what what they're playing like right now. And I feel like we match pretty evenly with them. And I'm I'm expecting we win this series. What what do you guys think? Yeah, it's the White Sox are one of those teams that I feel like are always gonna be scary just because they have like pop in their lineup and it's always gonna be like I you know what I like they have solid pitching. They have a good closer all this it's just one of those teams where it's like you're scared to face them and I feel like they always do well against the Red Sox but this would be a huge series win if the Red Sox would pull it off and hopefully they can ride some momentum through I think tomorrow's an Otani start um yeah not Wednesday night but Thursday night's an Otani start yeah yeah Thursday night actually we only played the Angels oh no we do play the Angels never mind I thought we only had a two game I thought we only had a two game against the Angels that's my fault so if if they can kind of rough up Otani a little bit, um, that that could really bring some momentum to this team. This team needs something to be happy about. And I cannot – I mean, they definitely listen to the show. At least that, that's a positive. I mean, the Red Sox are listeners to our show. They listened to what we said. They said, all right, we need to hit home runs because the guys from inside the five said so, and they did. And they said, all right, got to start Franchi. So let's do it. And they listen to us. So Red Sox, if you're listening, call up Tristan Cassis. Um, well, I mean, they are also, listening. So also, also, speaking of also, prospects. Wait, Will, can I actually get a second? Yes. Um, if they're listening, like Stav just said that they were, and I believe Stav and I trust him. Um, I'm a I'm a sophomore, a sport management major. Um, and we said to start Franchi went two for three. So if, if you guys are hiring, let me know. I will drop out of school if that means that I get a job instantly with the Red Sox. So just I'm um, keeping my email open. You guys know where to find me. Thank you, Will, for letting me have that time. 
Yeah, no, of course. Definitely hire my man Griff over here. Um, two, speaking of prospects, the LB came out with their top 100 prospects, and our boy Marcelo Mayer landed 14 out of the top 100. Oh, wow. I didn't I see that. That's, see that. I did not see that. Who's number one? Is it still Adley Rutschman? Uh, it's actually Bobby Witt. Adley Rutschman's number two, oh, which Royals. this list doesn't really, I don't like, yeah, I guess. Bobby Witt's a, he's an everyday starter. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was like last year. That was like last year when they were like, Wander Franco's the number one. Yeah, uh, Wander Franco. Yeah. And I was like, they didn't name him the number one until he was actually in the MLB. So yeah, like, like I, it's weird how they do it that way. But like I thought that was very interesting. But the only reason I like looked it up one because I looked under our like uh, our injury report and it was listed as he was day to day, and I was just kind of confused because I was like, he's just not on our thirty-eight man roster. No, he's not. He's That's not. why I was he's like, no players we had single A stuff. I think he's in double A and he's killing it. Yeah, he yeah. is in double A right now, but it was literally him and Josh Taylor. But I was just like, why is he on? Like, he's literally on. Like, if you go on ESPN, it literally says Marcelo Mayer shortstop day to day. I'm just like, why is he here? I'm like, is he? I was confused. I was like, is he? Did he get called up? Like, what is going on? And and if we're going to be talking about prospects, uh, big day Sunday. I know Will was at Polar Park uh, for the Worcester Red Sox. Um, we saw two of our better prospects hit back-to-back home runs. Jeter Downs hit a home run, actually hit somebody in the face um, that was sitting in the left field berm, literally hit them in the face. And then um, Tristan Casas hit an absolute nuke. But, like, honestly, at this point every game, I'm expecting Tristan Casas to hit 500-foot bombs. So I'm ready to see Casas literally any day now. And I know we're not going to get it, but I'm just letting everybody know I am so ready for Tristan Casas because the league isn't ready for Tristan Casas. Okay. 100%. Going back to this top 100 list, three of the top four guys are all in the MLB. Yeah, I know. That's like, why I Bobby really Witt confused. is number like one. They're, like they're everyday guys. And then this. it goes to Adley at number two is in double A. J-Rod at three. Is he in double A or triple A now? Adley. It, Ad, it's they have the MLB website has him listed in double A. Okay, okay, so, okay. And then J Rod at three, Rod. who's an everyday who's an starter. Everyday starter. Yep. Spencer Torkelson, great catch, another, great catch the other night by the by the yeah. way. Yeah, and Torkelson, oh. who's also an everyday starter, everyday contributing starter. a lot. CJ Abrams at number nine, another everyday starter until Tatis. I'm pretty sure Riley Green plays for the Tigers I right think, now. I think he does. I think he does. And Shane Boz has st- he he started all of last year. How was he a prospect? Yeah, and then also <laughs> I think Hunter Hunter Green is here too. Um, O'Neill Cruz, who actually I believe is the starting shortstop for the Pirates right now, is. I mean, the Pirates are a double A team, anyway, so Well, I, I know, but but still though, like, what kind of prospect we're talking about? These like everyday guys, Hunter like Green, twenty one, who is just absolutely tearing up for the Cincinnati Reds. Um, yeah, like there's a lot of names though. Like if you know these names, then our boy Casas is 16. He's two. Yeah, I was about to say two, two in in the top 20. I'm surprised that Mayor is actually ahead of him. Jaron Duran somehow found his way on this list. I, I, All right, I don't hold up. Like I'm at the la- at the bottom of the list. Jeremy Jeremy Pena is 99. How is he 99 when he's another everyday starter for the Astros? How is he 90? How is he not at the he's top of this good. list? He's, he's literally good. He's literally good. The MLB. How is he lower? <laughs> he's literally good. All right. Jaron Duran made 83, and but we have I'm some trying. random guy. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tret Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. I don't even know who he is. Nick York, the second baseman. Oh, no, I, I know Nick, Nick York. York. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't... No, Nick York, he, he's, he's a good ball player. No, he's, he's a good prospect. He's yeah. a good prospect. Yeah, like, awesome player. Um, but yeah, but no, like, like, I, like this list I, makes I'm, no sense at all. I'm happy with the way that our farm is going because if you think about like three years ago, like we had one of the worst farm systems like in the league, like yeah, in terms of prospects, and, and, and just out of nowhere, like these guys just turned up, and, and, and like we got Duran, we got Jeter Downs, who isn't on this list, but I think he's pretty good on defense. Um, and then Casas just came out of nowhere, and we got we got a great pick in Marcelo Mayer. Um, and, and I think a big part of that was the move from Pawtucket to Worcester. And and we're Massachusetts guys, so like obviously we're gonna like hype up Worcester. Um, so like when it when it comes to that, like I I actually think it was actually a big move to like go to like a new stadium, um, in, in a bigger market. It kind of showcases these players as well, and, and we're we're getting to see a lot of more of these players. Like when I was little and growing up, like I didn't go to a lot of Pawtucket Red Sox games or Paw Sox or whatever you call them. But like in Worcester, like these guys are being put on like a showcase. Like we're seeing them on Instagram, we're seeing them on Twitter. Like the Red Sox literally retweeted Tristan Costas' home run, and, and, and like I, I'm excited. To, to say the least about what yeah. we have brewing up in our farm system, whether that be Portland, Salem, or, or Worcester. I was gonna say. Also, I learned something today about the Woo Sox. Um, I like. I was randomly in the car. The radio was on, and they were playing away. They're actually playing teams out of their division right now. Like that was apparently like a COVID rule. We talked. I think we talked about it briefly for a couple of seconds on one of the past episodes. How I was like, I have no idea why they don't play certain teams. It was literally because of COVID. They were only playing teams in their uh, division yeah so i mean like we're gonna see how these prospects turn up um or turn out excuse me but i mean the red sox after a good double see how they do um come the rest of the series against the angels and, and then carrying that on to the white Sox. got a little homestand so that's good to see um you love to hit bombs at fenway park so we'll see how that goes um but to wrap up this episode we got a couple of things just two things from the nfl um, the first one is pretty big news, in my opinion, actually huge news. And that's the fact that DeAndre Hopkins has been sus- suspended for six games um, to start this NFL season. The reason he was suspended was he tested positive for le- three illegal perform- performance enhancing drugs. Very hard English. English is so difficult. We've talked about it before. 
Um, but but DeAndre Hopkins, guys, like this is a big surprise to me. I don't know if anybody else is as surprised at, um, like I am because DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best wide receivers in the league, Stav. So why is he taking performance-enhancing drugs? I think it's hilarious. After every single time someone gets busted for PEDs, they're like, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. You are the bottom of this. What are you – like, I know your, your PR team probably t- – like – six PEDs, like if it's one or something like that, and someone told you to take something that you didn't know was something like that, but six, it's like, dude, wait, did did he take? I I feel like, I feel like it could go both ways. I feel like he either took something that had multiple different things. I might might have completely just mixed up. I don't think he, did he get caught? Yeah, he got three, three. I got the, the, I I feel like he either took something. Yes. Continue. The other took right. something that had like had multiple things in it, and he literally he's like being serious. He had no idea, or he generally took three different PEDs and just was like, I don't know. I feel like the timeline just makes no sense because he tested like in in the blurb or whatever. Was this something that he wrote? I'm assuming he posted this on Twitter. Yes. Yeah. So in November, he, his te- his test came back, but in December and January, he was negative. Which I'm pretty sure you can still test positive for them for a little bit. And it, I'm not. I'm not like educated yeah. on. Uh, I honestly testing. don't know, but like it doesn't make sense. But um, DeAndre Hopkins, just to say um, what he put on Twitter. First off, he captioned this "See you week seven, and then he said he was going to get to the bottom of this. So I don't actually think he's going to get to the bottom of this. He literally just said, "I'll see." <laughs> oh, he is seven. the bottom of it. Um, he said, I'm very mindful of what I put into my body. Um, and I've always taken a holistic approach. I, I, the, the NFL ban list is actually like, there is a lot of things, not only just drugs, but supplements and they're, and they're put under a category of performance enhancing drugs. So like, it's not like we're saying that he took steroids, like he could have straight up just taken pre-workout and it had something in it that the NFL doesn't allow but it's actually not that bad and that's why i don't think like he was shooting up anything in a sense and i don't know if that's like inappropriate to say but that's how you take steroids not that i don't take steroids i don't i don't i, <laughs> not I that don't you don't take steroids english is hard i do not i you can test me you can do whatever you have to do i don't i need to get that out of the way i have um, to get to the like, of this well <laughs> um, but like but like d hop like you're uh i mean two years ago everybody knew you were the best receiver in the league and then like Devonte adams was awesome last year tyreek hill was awesome last year so like he's up there top three if not top three top five um i really don't think that he did anything on purpose and it's been put um on before if you guys remember with julian edelman and and i think tom brady as well with the tb12 there was like this supplement that was banned by the nfl i think this is the exact same case as d hop like i actually don't think he was taking any like hardcore like steroids or anything i think it was just supplements like literally just like a pre-workout or like something that's put into that that he took and he didn't know it was on the ban list so i think it was just like uh yeah he's gonna have to face the suspension but it wasn't anything like too serious in a sense yeah, that's where I was kind of getting at. I feel like it wasn't like intentionally like he wasn't just like slapping some HGH to recover from his injury, and he was just like, yeah, let's just speed up this process. Like it's the off season here. Like he was like I'm ex- I was ex- like he was expected to start week one. I'm assuming, right? I don't think there was any question yeah, about was. that with his injury. Yeah, so I feel like there would there would be no hypothetical reason. Like he like I don't know. In my eyes, I feel like there would be no reason for him to be 
like he's already top wide receiver. Like I don't see the the benefit. I feel like it definitely had to be like some kind of substance, like exactly. like a pre, like you said, like a pre workout or anything like, like a supplement, that. Or, like a supplement, yeah, not like a drug, but, a but it's yeah, exactly. it's categorized under a performance enhancing drug, which makes it sound yeah. a lot worse. But there's a lot of supplements on it, that list as well. It definitely didn't even like do anything. It maybe just like it probably didn't even do anything that he like. It you shows up like I don't like well it did but like you know what I'm trying to say it shows up but it, it, it's not something that actually like is making it's not it like Barry Bonds or making him pass or, like 550 feet home runs Barry Bonds didn't juice well <laughs> all right oh, I think this is a good segment to get I I know we we don't swear on this podcast but Ryan Tannehill is such a Loser. He's a, he, he's an asshole. Like yeah. we swear on this okay. podcast because he's an asshole. Yeah. Um. And, and and it's it's stupid. It's stupid. I have a little tan. After you finish with what you're, I have a little tangent I want to say. Like and about I, Ryan, I, Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill. I don't actually think he's that good of a quarterback. I just think he fits very well um with that Titans team because they have uh Derrick Henry like right behind him. Um, and he had a good season last year, right? But like. First off, this was during like a whole a whole like therapy thing like that he was talking about as well, um, where like he took this playoff loss really difficult and, and um he had to go to like therapy and stuff like that, which happens, right? And and then you just go into like literally right after he was talking about his mental health, he was like, Yeah, it's not my job to help mentor Malik Willis. Like, why not? If you are a a big like fan of your team in general like if you want your team to succeed you have to look at what's going to happen in the future and ryan Tannehill, who's 33 years old and isn't like anything special in my opinion he doesn't have that much longer in the league like he's not going to play till he's 40 he's not tom brady um like my guess is he's got two or three more years like and he's playing at the top of his uh, of his whole career like he's playing as good as he's ever played but i i'm expecting him to not be here until he's 40 and malik willis is a guy that is so special if you think about it has a lot of raw talent and could really use a guy to to really boost him and really help him walk him through this whole journey as a young career and, and ryan Tannehill, before he said this you would be like, wow, this is the perfect opportunity, right? Like Ryan Tannehill is going to go out. He's going to help this kid. And, and he's kind of taking an Aaron Rodgers approach where Jordan Love's career is completely off the table, in my opinion, because when you are a player that has raw talent and Malik Willis is the definition of one of those guys, he's not established. He's a guy that has a lot of upside, but he's going to start a little bit lower than, say, a Kenny Pickett, who's kind of like league ready. Um, you need the guy ahead of you to really help you out. And I think Tom Brady did a great job of that with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and we saw it week in and week out. They would run out of the tunnel together. You knew they had a good bond. And, and Tom Brady wasn't scared for his job. I think a big part of this was Ryan Tannehill is scared for his job. But he shouldn't be this year. Because like I said, he's a, he's going up against a guy with raw talent. He's not going to come in there and be a starter in the league right away. And, and I think it's just um, a dumb approach from him. If he really likes the Titans organization, this would be a big piece to help them for the future um, after they move on from Ryan Tannehill because I think Tannehill is going to finish up his career here, and and his career isn't going to last that much longer, Stav. Well, I 100% agree with everything that you said. And on top of that, two things I want to say about Ryan Tannehill. One, if 
you're going to take this narrow-minded approach not to mentor your backup, a rookie backup. Are you not confident that you can win the job? Like, I'm Ryan Tannehill. I'm a proven veteran starter in the NFL. Like, I've started on two teams. I've led the team to the play. I'm not necessarily led, but I've been the quarterback on this playoff team for the past two years. What in his mind is like, I'm not going to mentor this kid. Like, if I'm personally Ryan Tannehill, it's like, I trust my abilities to the point where I'm going to help my teammates succeed. I don't care what position that teammate plays. Like, there's no reason for Tannehill to not embrace Malik Willis because what is Ryan Tannehill? Who does he think he is necessarily? Like, if you're scared that your backup's going to take your starting job, you shouldn't be the starter, first off. And then second of all, I wanted to talk about a little bit about Kurt Warner, what his thoughts were about this. I don't know if you guys saw this, but he was like, to any young quarterback that their starting quarterback says that they won't mentor you, I will mentor you. Please reach out to me. Like, I feel like that's a majority of ex-NFL quarterbacks that have had successful careers. They want to help the young guys, and that's why they were successful. Because their previous the quarterbacks, like most quarterbacks, don't go in and start right away. But a lot of them that have that transition year, like you think Alex Smith took that approach with Patrick Mahomes, like I'm not going to teach it. This kid doesn't like I'm better. Like blah 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 blah. It's like you are the quarterback. You are the captain of the team. Basically, you are the head of the team. You do everything to make the team better, whether that be getting to know all your teammates, leading them, doing whatever. And if you're just going to pick one guy and just be like, yeah, I don't want to talk about him because he's my backup. Who, what does that make you? Like, I don't know. I think that's a very narrow-minded, selfish approach. I was going to say, stop. Um, Ryan Tannehill is very selfish. And honestly, like, he has no meaning of respect behind those eyes that he said those words with about Malik Willis. He has no respect. He lost all my respect, one, which honestly probably doesn't even make a big difference. But, like, in general, lost lost all my respect. Uh, and in fairness, I feel like he lost about everyone's respect. And if I'm Malik Willis, I'm going out and I'm reaching out to any other quarterback who is willing to help him grow. And I'm there and I'm ready to kick Ryan Tannehill's ass for that starting job. And I'm ready to take over that team because clearly you are not a leader of a team that wants to win and be successful. If you're not prepared to help the guys around you be just as, as just as successful as you, you clearly don't want to win and you clearly don't want to see your team succeed it's clearly all about him and it showed that he's very 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 selfish in this manner because he's literally a rookie he just got drafted you he's not expected to take your position right away like this is no offense to Malik Willis I don't even think Malik Willis thinks he is go out after his position it's he's probably like my time will be due when he when he is gone or when he or if he gets hurt like something like uh, along those lines he's not out here trying to become some kind of menace backup quarterback to you but now he is like if i'm yeah. him i would want to be like honestly it, unless he took this as a different approach to make him a different kind of person and make him like an absolute animal on the field i, I don't really see that really being the reasoning why he said this the very self very selfish act and very um disrespectful and I um I like the fact uh stop I'm I'm glad you brought up um what Kurt Warner said um I think that Malik Willis should take advantage of that I think um Kurt Warner when you think of him he's a guy that literally is the definition of not a day one starter like he literally didn't make the league um come out of college 
and he was bagging groceries. Like he he knows exactly what it t- takes to start from the bottom, and make your way to the top. He was an MVP, a Super Bowl champion, and I don't know if either of the two of you watched the movie that came out about him over uh, Christmas break. Um, it, it kind of just went into depth about where he came from and how he made it to the NFL. Like that is the perfect example of a guy that would literally be the most perfect to be perfect person to be behind of in terms of being a backup quarterback. Malik Willis should definitely take advantage of that opportunity because Kurt Warner, like I said, he was bagging groceries out of college. He wasn't one of those guys that came in and Tannehill is a guy that came in and was a day one starter for the Miami Dolphins after mm-hmm. he was at A&M. Um, and, and I think that a lot of these guys that are in the NFL and that were in the NFL are going to reach out to Malik Willis. I, I really believe that. And that's just going to make him that much better. And, and if anything, Malik Willis, if he has the right mindset, he is pretty much guaranteed to be a good NFL player at this point because he's going to have so many people in his corner helping him out. Like, he, he, I I can't even imagine the amount of people that have already reached out to him. And, and Ryan Tannehill, you're right, Will. He, wasn't a, he was never a hateable guy because he never really talked. The first time he ever really went public with anything, it was over this BS, and it was mm-hmm. just completely disrespectful. And it's the fact that he's scared for his job. And, and he shouldn't be right now. I think that Malik Willis's time will literally be whenever Ryan Tannehill is done. But now at this point, this is something that Malik Willis is going to snap on. And Malik Willis, in that quarterback room, it's going to get really messy in that quarterback room. And my guess is that Malik Willis is going to come out of that on top. Not this year necessarily, but I I have so much confidence now in, in Malik Willis to become a good quarterback just based off this. When you have to deal with some BS like this, like think Ship about it. You just got drafted. Mentality. You got drafted a week ago. That's literally the biggest moment of your entire life. Like imagine being drafted. That's the biggest moment of your entire life. And you're like, wow, I'm going to go to a team that is a playoff team that has the best running back in the league and has a very good veteran quarterback, I'm going to learn a lot from this guy, right? I guess not because he's an absolute – he's just a bad person. He's not a nice person. And and, and it's just – it's sad to see because it, it proves that Ryan Tannehill is selfish. He doesn't want Malik Willis to pan out clearly, and, and he doesn't want the Titans to be successful for years to come because – it, when I draft Malik Willis, I'm looking for him to be a guy that in three years is going to be my starting quarterback for the next 10 to 15. And I, I just really think it was a dumb move. Honestly, um, my, my last word, sorry, stop. My last words is what Ryan Tannehill said is actually very sickening. That's really all I can say about that. Yeah. It, it's genuinely sickening. And, and you just like, I don't know, like it, not even like you hate to see it. Like you literally hate to see it and you literally hate for someone to go out against someone and just be like, oh, I'm not going to help you. Like, you don't deserve it. Like, he literally just got drafted. Like, that. Like he's obviously not a kid, but, like, he is. Um, My final thoughts on this, before I kind of hand it off to Griff to close out, Malik Willis already had a chip on his shoulder. Now it should be even more. Like Will said before, if I'm Malik Willis, I'm like, F this guy. I'm coming for your starting job, and I don't need your help either. And if I'm Malik Willis, in a sense, I'm like, I'm going to be better than you at your own job, too. So why do I even need your help if you're going to come out? You're so cocky during training camp, during everything. At this point, it's just straight disrespect. There's there's no respect between the two. And I think that 
Malik Willis is a guy that, like, I watched, I don't watch, like, a lot of games from him at Liberty because they didn't play, like, great teams. But I watched a couple. They played Coastal Carolina, which is my favorite football team. And, and he's a guy that likes to have a chip on his shoulder. He left Auburn, and, and there was a big speculation upon that because he lost the job to Bo Nix, who's a very good quarterback. And, and now he's in a position where he's in a fight, right? He's in a full-on fight. In any day of the week when it comes to a quarterback competition, I honestly don't even care who Ryan Tannehill is going up against. I'm not taking Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's going to wrap up this episode. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed. Um, last episode, um, I said we we're going to see you guys after three Red Sox losses. We are already wrong, and we're recording this literally two days after we recorded the last episode. So who even knows what we're in for until next Tuesday? Um, but yeah, once again, we hope you guys enjoyed. We will see you guys on Tuesday. Up the Reds. Go Liverpool. Liverpool, Real Madrid. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. But anyways, we'll see you guys in peace. Peace. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 